You like that, dude? <laughs> what, what is happening, everybody? Welcome in to the show. We are getting started a little late, but better late than never. This is the first ever tour life with my boy Paul. Yuli, we're here. We made it. The Yuli crackle people are already talking about in the chat. No. There is there is chatter. I might have started it already. It might have been my someone's someone's claiming the Yuli Crackle numbers are six five zero zero and zero. <laughs> I didn't even know that was possible, but it is what it is. Um yeah, Yuli apparently had someone just completely uh reset some of his settings. So we have to do with that. Yeah, we had an interview here and uh, they took everything off my desk. They unplugged everything. Dude, I had the camera in a certain, it was looking good. And then I know nothing about technology, man. It's like, uh, it's a fight. It's a fight to the death with me and technology and I lose every time. Well, I remember back when I was streaming a lot, it felt like once every week or two weeks, I would sit down and literally all I'm doing is like, turning on my computer, turning off my computer. I'm not changing anything, but every once, once every two weeks I would sit down and then like my audio just wouldn't work or like my sound wouldn't work. And I'm like, I'm literally just streamed seven days in a row. Everything was fine. What is going on? Like, why is the eighth day messed up? Um, it's, it's a debacle, you know, it is a situation, but we're here and, um, all right. So let's, let's explain kind of what's going on. Cause some people are like, what happened to the disc golf hour? What's sure. going on? So a little behind the curtain, if you will, for everyone. Debate night was originally me and Hunter. That show during the season, I feel like was really, really good because it was giving you know my take on what was going on during the tour, during my season. And then it would kind of give a little bit of a taste of what Hunter was seeing. The issue though that we ran into a lot of times is like Hunter and Trevor on grip locked, they would talk about a lot of the same things. And so Hunter was having to either repeat himself or people were kind of hearing the same conversations over again. So we decided, okay, what can we do differently? Trevor had the idea of doing like the around the horn version of disc golf and that became debate night and i said all right well i'll just do my own show because quite frankly limiting myself to 15 minutes of disc golf talk because debate night's very quick if you haven't watched yet it's very snappy it's very quick only being able to talk for a minute on certain uh certain topics was not going to fly for me so i was like i'm just gonna do my own show i'll talk as long as i want and we'll open it up to callers and you called in a couple times and we kind of got riffing and going and basically I just reached out to you and we kind of had an open conversation of like, Hey, what's the deal? Do you want to pursue something more than just, you know, calling in occasionally? And, uh, yeah, if you want to give your, your kind of take on what's going on, uh, you can let the people know. No. Yeah, exactly what you said. And, uh, is there crackle first of all? Oh, the people love the crackle. <laughs> Do I have crackle? Yeah, you have the crackle. <laughs> no. Yeah, the crackle is there. Um, Should I unplug this bad boy? You might have to go. You might have to just go computer audio for this one. It, it, sorry, you, we're folks. we're going we're going bare bones for this first one. Uh, so bare, look at this bare setup bones. though. Look at I can just. There's no more. No, there's still crackle. No, wait. 
Bare bones, no crackle, not as good. But this, there we go. Yeah, but this is what we're gonna have to do tonight. Anyways, yeah, he he, he messaged me. Listen, one of my favorite things is to talk. People know that about me. I love to talk. I love to debate. I love disc golf. I love sports in general. I like bouncing ideas off of everybody and anybody. And yeah, when when Brody and I started talking, it was like I felt like it went really well the couple times that I called in, of course. And people liked it, and that's what and that's what it's all about. If people can enjoy two people riffing off of each other and, and understanding conversation, intelligent conversations about about things. And and one of my favorite things is we you and I, we don't have the same opinion in a lot of things, and we do have the same opinion in some things, but we're the type of people where that's fine and we can get past it, go to the next conversation. That's something that I've been really looking forward or for in disc golf is, you know, I don't know if you've had this idea, but having a podcast with somebody where we can have those types of debates, but also bring the news of what's going on in the week, bring in what, whatever we're doing on tour, and then being able to explain the world what it's really like. I mean, it's definitely, uh, man, I'm excited. I guess basically what it is is I'm excited to be able to do this because I enjoy our talks. I always have. Um, you and I have had deep discussions, you know, off camera, on camera. And it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. So I'm excited to see where this goes for sure. Yeah, and I think I, I think there's a lot of potential, uh, not just with me and you talking about what's going on with our season and what's going on uh, elsewhere on tour, but I think there's also a lot of potential of having deep conversations with other professionals and yeah. other people. Now, obviously, there's there are our there's tons of podcasts right now that are interview podcasts, and yeah. that's not what this is going to be. Okay. This is the majority of the time you're going to get me and Yuli. Uh, we're going to be doing these on Tuesday nights, I believe, during the season. So you guys will be able to tune in live right here on YouTube, or you can catch it on Apple, Spotify, all those things after the fact if you like listening to the audio version. We might, though, have you know, a handful of kind of like special episodes where we bring in a guest or whatnot and have a sit down talk and, and have more of a, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like when me and you are talking to someone, I think we'll be able to bring out a lot, yeah. you know, cause one, I'm not afraid to ask any question. And I think two, what you are one of the probably more respected people on tour and I also think you have some of the, the best experience on tour. So I think, I think this has a lot of potential. And it's also something, too, where we don't really know where this is going. I think it's just two people that are committed to this, this show for you guys listening. And we're going to do our best every week to bring the best show possible. And then we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. So... Uh, without, without, uh, saying any more, thank you so much, everyone that's tuning in live. We appreciate it. And thanks to everyone that's listening. If you, if you haven't yet, make sure you go over to Apple and Spotify and, you know, like, or save, or do whatever you have to do to make sure that RSS feed, uh, is, is in your normal podcast. Uh, like I said, this should be coming out Tuesday nights moving forward. Uh, I'm going to try to get the audio up later tonight for everyone. Um, but I want to jump I in. Have, for, I have like um, two messages already saying it should be called the crackle. 
So the crackle, the, the crackle. See, here's the thing with these these podcasts is like the OGs, the people that are with us right now. That will be an inside joke that they will only know. So later on, if we bring up the crackle, people are gonna be like, "What the heck are they talking about?" And everyone listening right now, you guys were there for the crackle, the very first podcast episode from the tour life. Um, but with that being said, we've got. Vegas, very close, very close. So I'm interested. I want to hear how how's your off season going? Give give everyone kind of uh, an idea of like what you were up to this off season. How does the game feel? How does the body feel? I know last season you did have a lot of injuries and things that like kind of held you back. How's everything feeling for you going into uh, 2023? It's funny, you know, Brody, because one of the things that I've been realizing about myself and just how life changes as, as you get older and, and how the sport is progressing, it's way different. My off seasons are so much different. Um, before it was all practice, you know, get healthy, get practicing, get putting in, go to the field, like make sure that I had my best game going into Vegas every single year or Memorial when Memorial started the season. And it seems like the last couple of years, last year, obviously, I was injured, so I didn't get to play as much. But this offseason was way different. Uh, as the sport moves forward, I find myself behind a camera almost every time that I play, mm. which I don't know if that's like what happens with you. But a lot of the time, like it's really hard for me to be able to go to the course and be like, hey, I'm just doing field work today. Like I tell myself, okay, maybe I need to put a YouTube video out or, or, or I already have prior engagements. Like, you know, we went to Jacksonville, I flew from Jacksonville to Austin. And then I came back and I had filming with Zuka and then a piece that Discraft did with me. So this whole off season has been, you know, not necessarily practice, and, which is interesting because this is a perfect place to let the people know, like disc golf is changing and you got, and as a professional, you really got to get your priorities straight of, when is it time to put time in on the course, on the putting green? And when is it time for brand building and doing um, what you're supposed to do with your sponsors? And so this was the first off season where I found myself practicing, but it was practicing in front of a camera and not me just going out and being like, okay, I'm grinding this out. Because as you know, of course, too, you have a wife, I have a fiance, mm -hmm. time has to go to that. You know, I have a house. Time has to go to that. I have different priorities that offset a lot of the practice time that I would have before. And so yeah. I'm curious to see if it is your off season similar or are you like, no, it's time for Brody Smith to get to the field, get my time in because I'm having a hard time kind of um, being able to separate the two. Yeah, no, I mean, you're definitely right. I think at our age and where we are in our life, it's a lot different than some of the younger guys on tour. Uh, when you don't have those commitments and you don't have those responsibilities, you know, I could totally see myself coming out of college and jumping in a van, touring around, and just playing disc golf 24-7 and not caring about anything else. On this bad boy. Oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> Take the... <laughs> take the wrapper off of that. We don't, we don't have any advertisements yet. We are open for business though, folks. Um, so yeah, when, when you're at kind of our age, there are so many other things going on that I can't simply just say, Hey deuces, I'm out for 12 hours today. I'll see you when I see you, nor do I want to do that at my life. You know, I, I, 
And I also don't even think that would be really that effective for me anymore. So I actually, this offseason was very interesting for me because I kind of got an eye opening leaving, I want to say right around Vegas. So I go back out to Vegas at the very end of the season to play this really fun Halloween tournament. And after that tournament, I hadn't weighed myself in forever. And obviously you kind of get, you know, the sense of like looking at yourself being like, I look a little bit different than I used to. But when you are constantly seeing yourself in the mirror or whatever, every day, it's easier for you to kind of go down that, that path of being really out of shape without realizing it. So it wasn't until I like stepped on the scale and saw myself at like 260 that I was like, what? And this is the thing is like, I, I guess I am blessed in that way of where I hold my weight really well. So people, no one thought I was like super overweight or fat, but I'm telling you I was 260 is massively heavy, especially for someone that, stopped working out halfway through the season because their back was starting to get jacked up. So this off season has been really interesting because I really did not throw the disc at all. Like very few times that I actually throw, I did putt quite a bit, but I did not throw mainly one. That's that was to kind of give a break to my back. But most importantly, that was to get back into shape. And so I've been spending most of my time, you know, I'm running five times a week. I'm lifting weights four times a week. And then, uh, my diet of what I'm eating and what I'm putting in and consuming and all that stuff has completely changed. So my lifestyle has completely changed from at the end of tour to now. And I do feel like I'm in a much better spot. And and again, obviously I hope that does end up helping me down the road in disc golf, but ultimately this was a decision that needed to be made for my, my life, like my, my health, right? Because being, being that size, eating whatever I wanted, that is just not going to, that's not going to head me into a direction I wanted to go. So, uh, it will be interesting because I am feeling good in the sense of like, my body feels great. I still have a lot of work to do. I still want to get to a different spot than I am now. But I'm not coming into Vegas this, this year being like, I've been playing three times. You know, I've got, I've got 54 holes every day for the last three weeks. And like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I don't feel sharp with my game. So would I be surprised if I miss cash at Vegas? No. Would I be surprised if I got a top 20 at Vegas? No. So it's just kind of one of those where yeah. I, I'm, I'm playing the long game here of where I, I see myself. I see myself touring for like at least another three years, maybe five. So I want to be in the best, best condition I can be for all those years. If that makes sense. Yeah. Cause you know, I mean, tour is it's, you can run yourself into the ground real easy, right? Oh, it's, oh, it's nuts. Like it, people think it's just this Holly Joe, go lucky Jolly Rancher world. And it, and it isn't, it is tough work, especially like you said, for, like for for me, for example, yeah, if I won every other, you know, one out of every five tournaments, it would be a lot different process. You know, yes. that process to be that guy is completely different than me being 34 years old and having obligations to to make sure that, you know, my career path is on the trajectory that I need it to be to sustain a career at this point. 
And so it definitely changes to where I can't be selfish in the fact I would love to just be like, nope, all that stuff goes to the side and I have to grind it out and be the best player that I can be. That means that a lot of people have to go to the wayside and, and I'm not just, I'm not willing to do that. So it has to change. With that being said, I am very healthy. The healthiest I've been going into a season in years, which is awesome. That's great. And every time that I play, I am playing well. So I'm, I'm not just going out and I'm like, oh, Vegas is going to be interested at, interesting. I, I am feeling very confident that I'm going to be my old self and be able to um, compete at a high level. So that, that's good. That's awesome. Uh, with, with that being said, let's talk real quick. The Disc Golf Pro Tour just kind of made the announcement, and they made a couple announcements, but the, the one that I thought was most interesting was their announcement on post-production coverage, which you are obviously involved with, with uh, Jomez. So you can kind of maybe give us a little inside yeah. scoop of how that's going to work with FPO. The big announcement this year is MPO and FPO uh, which they're, they're not calling lead card. They're saying one, which is lead card essentially will both be covered by Jomez this year. So yeah. you will be seeing the best MPO players at the tournament and you'll be seeing the best FPO players at tournaments, both covered by Jomez. Are you guys doing commentary for both of those or is there going to be a different commentary team for FPO? No, no, no double duty for us. Um, which is interesting. So it's a great thing that you bring up because I was talking to a few FPO players recently, and they were actually kind of concerned, which, is, which was surprising to me, that they were worried about who was going to be doing the commentary for them. Um, and I thought that was interesting because, you know, from outside looking in, Jomez picking up FPO coverage is just huge. It's massive. Just, it's massive because of the eyes that are going going to go on there and instead of like this excitement that i thought i was going to hear it was more of well who's going to be doing the commentary for us so that's a that's mm. something that that struck me as not confusing but me not being in that realm i don't know what the thought process is with them playing and that that is an important thing and i just don't think that because obviously i commentate for the for the men's side and I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. I don't know who's going to be doing the commentary. Oh, the, the it, hasn't, it hasn't been an no announced clue. or anything. Okay, nope. interesting. Um, but that is interesting because do you think that the comment, whoever does the commentary has that, uh, like that big of an impact on how that is um kind of brought into the living room and if so i guess who who would you who do you think is the best fpo commentators and so so i think i think when when it is when it is you sex and germ i think as far as when the jomez crew i think that's the best crew and the reason i say that is yeah maybe you guys talk over each other a little bit but by having three of you guys, I think that gives the most perspective over the tournament at hand. The majority of the time, 
one of you is in contention or close to contention. So you kind of have that sense of what's going on at the top. And then maybe some of the others are at towards the bottom or whatever, but they can kind of give you a full perspective of what's happening at the tournament. I think that's crucial. I think for FPO, I don't think you can just have, this would be my point. I think you would have a much harder time doing commentary if you were not at the tournament and you just sat down and they're like play. And then you just had to start commentating. Uh, you're not going to know the weather that well. There might be some holes that are changed. There might be some new lines that have opened up that you aren't aware of. You're just not going to be as informed. So I think whoever they do decide to go with for FPO, I think it needs to be one or two people, however many, but it needs to be someone that actually knows the course, knows what's going on, knows what's happening with the players and having a little bit more insight because I think live commentary, you can get away with a little more of just, oh, they're picking up a disc. They threw the disc. Oh, they're they're making a putt. That was for a birdie. Where what you guys do is more of a conversation of where you're giving kind of snippets and tidbits of like, oh, I bet you guys didn't know this. Let me explain that. I think that's crucial stuff. So having someone that actually could do it, and that's why I was saying like, I think you guys could do that, but I think that'd probably be too much, uh, too much on your plate. Like playing yeah. the tournament, doing MPO, and then having to do all that extra research for FPO—that would be so hard. I just yeah. hope they do have someone that is um, motivated and passionate about it, to where they go out and try to get the stories and know what's going on. Yeah, 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 and that—and that's what kind of like, you know, really opened my eyes because I really never. I really never thought about it. Like if I get on coverage, which I'm on coverage, luckily quite a bit mm-hmm. first round, <laughs> first round yeah. coverage. Yeah. First round coverage, you it's know? nice getting on the feature card every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> first round. But uh, no, it, it never dawned on me. Like who's talking about me and how do they, and how do they portray me to the world? You know, and that's important. That is important. It's something that I, you know, never really thought about, um, Am I doing players um, justice by commentating on, on them? And am I bringing them to the best light? You know, it's not something that I ever thought about, which I don't want to think about when I do my commentary because that would change the way that I do it. Yeah. And I like the way that I do it, you know. But as far as what we're talking about in the FPO coverage, that, you know, opened my eyes. I'm like, wow, that is very important. It is important at this stage in disc golf, especially – right now with fpo because this is a big time move it is that's a lot more eyes that are going to be on the fpo field which is awesome and i don't know i i thought it was kind of cool that they they were like yeah that's awesome but who's going to do it for me because that's important to them yeah and i think i've always said this of where i think the fpo play the style of play I think is easier for most fans watching to relate to. It is very hard to watch the top MPO players and be able to say like, I can do that. Or let me go out and try to replicate that shot where the distance and power a lot of times is more similar on the FPO side. And so if you can have someone that can commentate that and, and in a way of where they're not downplaying their skills or like that they can't throw as far as MPO, but rather highlighting 
the the skill set that they have that yeah. sets them apart. I think that is crucial. Sure. Now, I will say one thing that, and this might just be, you know, a minority a minority of people that watch coverage. I don't like people that I don't like commentators that are essentially like. Uh, butt kissing is that the is that the terminology like yeah butt kissing everyone right and like we'll never say anything bad i I don't mind someone saying like that was a poor shot that was a poor choice i don't know why they did that that doesn't make sense i think it's i think it's good to be impartial in that way of where you're you're constantly kind of looking at it on both sides of the coin versus a lot of times i do agree commentators are there to hype it up there are many times where I'm not saying this is from Jomez, but a lot of times on live too, where someone will throw a number out and be like, that drive was 560 feet. And we've all played that hole and yeah. we know I'm throwing 500 feet and I'm landing in the same spot. I'm that was not a 560 or a 600 foot drive. So there is a lot of like up playing and, and you see that too in other sports as well. You know, there is that, hyperbole i think if you will in some cases but i think a lot of that should come with like the energy in the commentating and not so much the facts like i prefer that the facts kind of stay factual and if you want to build something up to where someone makes a 30 footer say it's a 30 footer but talk about how crucial of a putt that is don't say like oh my god he just drained that from 50 feet when in fact it was 30 so that's kind of for me, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Like if there is a, uh, if there is some sort of like process of them trying people out or having, you know, I don't know. Uh, we'll yeah. see. Cause, cause they probably also need to have them in house, right? Like they need to have probably people that are going from fun. tour stop yeah. to tour stop. Yeah. So we'll see. But that's huge, man. I'm excited to see. I, when I wake up in the morning, that's the first thing that I that I put on is the live F, um, FPO coverage. I mm-hmm. enjoy watching it. Like I, I literally put it on every morning when I wake up. I watch it until it's time for me to go warm up and do my thing. Um, for Jomez to get involved, man, I'm very excited. A lot of eyes are going to um, go on the FPO, and that's going to open up new opportunities for them, and that's huge. And I think I think the big thing we talked about this a little bit with like the course design. I think again, putting pressure on that, especially on the commentary side, is not a bad thing. If a hole is bad, we we I feel like we are at the stage right now in disc golf where it is okay to talk about some of the troubles that disc golf has. We don't have to try to make it seem like everything's rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. If a hole is terrible. I, I would love to hear the commentators on FPO being like, I don't understand why this hole is designed the way it is. It doesn't make any sense. So it, I don't know if you saw the Las Vegas flyovers of the, the holes. It, it seemed like when they were designing the FPO, if you even want to say designing the FPO, it seemed like they just added on strokes and said like, oh, it's not a par four, it's a par five for them. It's not a par three, it's a par four for them. To me, I think that's just lazy because the way disc golf is played, landing zones matter, how, like, where hazards are matter, and just adding an extra stroke because a division doesn't throw us far, 
it does not mean the hole is going to play well. And, and most of the time, the hole plays way worse than the hole is designed for the MPO. So yeah. we'll see how it goes in FPO on Vegas. I know there was a lot of complaints last year from the FPO players about course design. I just think that is something that needs to drastically change because kind that of, is a huge thing to show off their skill. Kind of a, a really tough um, problem to manage, honestly, for, for the tour, especially because they're playing the same course, playing the same property. So now you're essentially having to like um, design two different courses yes. for two completely different skill sets on the same property in the same layout. I mean, that I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, and and my my big complaint is essentially just you know, and we have some holes like this on MPO as well. Uh, they're they're starting to kind of fizzle out, but there are some holes where it's just like everyone's going to be landing in roughly the same spot, and everyone will just be pitching up, and it basically just eliminates a good shot and a bad shot. Like if you have a hole that is so easy to get a three on regardless of whether it's a par three or a par four, that's a bad hole, right? If, if someone can throw a terrible shot and get a three and someone can throw a great shot and still get a three, like that's a bad hole. And I think a lot of times these FPO holes, they create a way of where they make them a par four and it's like, okay, I get it. Like the, the hole itself is too far for it to be a par three, but by making it a par four, you're essentially just making everyone lay up and then have all a super easy upshot and the hole just becomes meaningless. Everyone's just getting the same. There's no scoring separation. So we'll see what happens. I, I wasn't too thrilled with the changes I saw on the FPO side. Some of the MPO's changes are are decent, um, but we'll see, I guess, in a couple of weeks when you, get, when you get out there. So I just want to run through this real quick. So Jomez is going to be doing, like I said, I'm just going to call it lead card. They're going to be doing lead card for MPO and FPO. They're going to be also doing Champions Cup, Worlds, and USWDGC, so U.S. Women's uh, Disc Golf Championships. Uh, and this is going on through the end of 2023. Then you've got Gatekeeper. They're going to be doing the second card on MPO uh, throughout the year. They will be at Champions Cup, and they'll be at Worlds, and that's through 2023. Then Ace Run Pro is getting into the action. I know they've 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 covered some uh, tournaments here and there. They're going to be doing the second card on FPO. They will also be at Champions Cup, Worlds, and U.S. Women's as well. So that will be uh, the main cards. And then we have at Silver Events, I believe, Central Coast will be doing all the Silver Events lead cards for MPO and FPO as well. Um and so I think that's great. And again, I've never been, I'm always live over post, but I understand there is a spot for both. So even though I do advocate live in the sense of like, if I'm going to consume sports, I do prefer to watch it live. Yeah. I do know that there is a large group of people that love consuming post and also a larger group of people that love going back and watching tournaments. And so this is something that is really cool with disc golf is you have this Rolodex, if you will, of all these tournaments that you can just go back and watch 2017, 2018. And now you can watch all these as well. I think having FPO, I'll reiterate, I think having FPO 
presence on Jomez this year is going to be a huge thing, not just for getting more people familiar with some of the FPO players, but also potentially for newer players seeing women out there doing their thing and getting excited and going out and trying it themselves. So um, we'll see how that all ends up and turns out, but it sounds an exciting announcement. All right, let's go and talk about the all-star weekend, which is, I believe coming up this weekend. Um, Not too much talk about it. They did make a post, which I actually want to kind of get your thoughts. It's a weird you know, disc golf and all stars. First off, I just think the timing of it is kind of weird. I'm not a huge fan of like starting off the season with an all star event. It's kind of weird to me. Like an all star event either needs to happen like in the middle of the season of where you're like, you know, you kind of have an idea of who the all stars are for that season at that point, or you do something at the end of the year. Doing it at the beginning of the year kind of seems like an odd timing. What are your thoughts like on the timing of it? No, I, I, I agree. I think doing it mid season would, in my opinion, would be worse because <laughs> okay. the season, the season isn't done. You have the U S championships, the pro tour championship that could de- definitely dictate all stars without a doubt. And then I, I do think that having it right before the season starts is a little bit weird because the season's about to start. So but then you have the, the the problem of okay, we have USDGC. That's in October, mm-hmm. right after that. The end the of the season court. is packed. It's right crazy now. packed. Yeah. Yep. Um, I do think maybe something early December, like at a nice place like Florida or Arizona or something where the, okay. where, the where the weather is good, where people can kind of make a vacation out of it, because that's really what it should be, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is people who've earned the right to be an all star you know, kind of make a family vacation out of it type thing. Like take your family there. They get to see their, their kid or, the, you know, or their dad or, or whoever makes it, you know, compete and be rewarded for being one of the better players of the season. And I, I do think that's important in sports. You know, I love all-star events and other things. Mm-hmm. The way that it's competed really doesn't matter, in my opinion. I think it's just um, it should be more of a reward and – as a peer-to-peer like hey we made it to this point like congratulations like we're the best of the best of this season i I think that's that should be the main point of that thing and then of course throw fun games in there or or whatever you do so that people can watch of course um but i'm on board with that yeah i I think that right before the season i mean i I made the all-star event last year and Mm -hmm. so i was there when it was the same time, it was like right before Vegas. And I remember yeah, same, same exact time mm-hmm. feeling a little bit rushed. It was a blast though. I'm telling you, it was one of the funnest events that I've ever played in. And I remember thinking like, this could be something special, you know, this could be like a career deal where you can say like, no, I've made like five all-star appearances in my life type thing. You know, if you make an all, like imagine a kid right now watching just this show and being like, to be an all-star disc golfer, like that would be nuts, you mm-hmm. know? So I think if, if they do it the right way, advertise it the right way. And then the big thing is last year, the only reason I made it in is because some of the best players didn't go. 
Yeah, so they kind of so had to go got, down the line I was a, a little reserve bit. That got put in, you know, which is fine. I was happy about that, but the the players really have to take in into this idea and be like, no, this is something that I need to Special. do. And I look forward to it, and I want to be there, type thing. So it's a it's up to the players, I think, to make sure that they make that a priority and a goal of of their not just a goal of a season but like a career goal because there are other people out there who will never be all-stars ever you know and to put that um you know it's just like at the nba when you when you hear anybody talk about uh all-stars in the nba or or football the pro bowl or anything they they call them pro bowlers or they mm-hmm. call them all-star players because they're the best of the best do you think there should be specific because obviously the way all every sport does it's probably a little bit different do you think there should be specific players that get invited for specific skill sets so you might not be an all-star in the sense of like your overall game but you could go to the all-star event and compete in the distance competition yeah no i do i think that that's what it needs to get to and i've had some talks with some of the pro tour guys, because I, I think that's important. If you, if your percentage and, and you, and you put up a lot of putts and your percentage is in the, you know, 90% uh, inside the circle or even outside the circle, whatever that is. And you're known as one of the best putters and show that off to the world. And like I said, peer to peer, like I need to be able to look at the way that Ricky Wysocki putts and be like, dude, he's nice. You know, and I want to see that on display yeah. in a fun setting. Like, that is a talent that needs to be documented and, and awarded every year. Um, because, accuracy, same thing with yeah. accuracy. Like, if you're really good at accuracy, if you don't throw it OB a lot, like, that's something that, that from peer to peer, we need to start recognizing because that's only going to make us better, you know? And that's what it is in, in other sports. I see that. I see stats matter. I think, uh, I think having, and again, this is something that we don't know how well the all-star events going to like what, what the future is, right? It could be something that fizzles out and just kind of fades. I think a lot of that has to do with obviously the disc golf pro tour, but also like you said, players buying in, if players stop buying in and we're not having the top guys there, uh, people aren't going to care about whether or not the, they're at the all-star event or tuning in to watch the all-star event. One thing that would, you know, you're talking like the putting thing. One thing that would kind of spark my interest is we all know on tour and it sometimes gets talked about. We know who's like really freaking good at specific skill sets in disc golf. They might not be the best top 10 player in the world, but like if I throw like an Andrew Marweed out there, there might be some people that are like, oh yeah, I've heard that name. But like, have you ever seen that guy putt? Like when he is on, he, he might yeah. be one of the best putters out there. And yeah. so having someone like an Andrew Marweed show, um, show up for the putting contest or someone like, you know, a young Cole Radolin uh, in the distance contest, right? Like having these specific guys that might not be overall with all their skills at the top to make it on this exclusive list but maybe have a handful of people that are very good at certain skill sets. I think that would also elevate the event as well. Now, obviously that's adding more people, more money, bigger budget, all these things. And so clearly they're just trying to, I mean, you know, 
honestly, some of these Minimize awards, that. not some, but <laughs> like Isaac Robinson won Rookie of the Year on the Pro Tour. Dude, that dude's not a rookie. <laughs> the guy, he's been playing professional for a very long time. It was his rookie year on tour, but he's not a rookie. Yeah, we have an issue. We have an issue with that. There is some of these awards. There are issues. Um, like I was also uh, like, like people Robert, were Bur, um, Barrage. Barrage is that right? Barrage. Yeah, Barrage. Yep. Yeah. Barrage. He is a rookie. Yeah, like, he like he didn't tour last year, and oh. and I, I get if you like if you play local events and stuff, I I can kind of understand a little bit, but like to me, we don't have like that same kind of clear path that a lot of other professional sports have of where yeah. it's like high school college then you go into the pros we have a lot of people that they might be I mean, playing professional we, we disc do. golf we do you a, go you go from advanced and then you're a rookie after after that. yeah i mean i guess i mean i guess <laughs> there is that too i mean there was a lot of talk uh, well not a lot but i talked a lot about like simon like a lot of people were talking about how he was like the most improved player and this and that and like to me like i don't i don't think he should have won personally i mean i think he had an incredible season don't get me wrong but my point is like i see simon as someone that has a lot of skill maybe a com maybe a comeback player or something something of where like yeah comeback player makes more sense than most improves because it's like it wasn't like simon was terrible no, it was and they got really good had a season like that yeah it's it's it, it, to me, most improved is like someone that wasn't sniffing cash and now has yeah. popped off and has a couple top tens, a couple top twenties, maybe a top five. Like to me, that's someone's yeah. like, holy cow, that person improved versus we all know like winning at the top. Like there was very, you know, min there's very, a lot of times minimal margins in winning and getting second or third or fourth and fifth. And so last year, there wasn't that much difference between Simon winning four times and maybe just not winning at all, but getting all top fives. Right. And in that scenario, I don't think anyone would have said anything about him being most improved. So well, that to me, like at the top, there's just less, I don't know what the word is, but it's, it's easier to see like a Chandler Kramer or someone like that of where maybe they toured last year and no one had any idea who they were and then they just popped off uh, or Gavin Babcock. Like that's another person who yeah. had a couple really good majors of where maybe people didn't even know who that person was. To me, it's kind of like that, like the six man award of where it's yeah. tough to give someone a six man award. That's getting the minutes like a starter, right? Like that's, that's kind of like the talk uh, on that. So I don't know where I was really going with that, but well, I was going, but my direction, why I brought up the Isaac Robin. Yeah, of course. If he it's his first year on tour, then yeah, he wins rookie rookie of the year on the pro tour. I get I get where they're going with it, mm -hmm. but he's not a rookie. What I was gonna say is it would be cool to have a couple good rookies at the all-star event. Like actual rookies, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we can show off our young up and coming. I talent. like that. I wouldn't say that Isaac Robinson is an up-and-coming talent. I think that he's just a talent. Like, he's one of the best players in the world, period. And yes. he went on tour, and then he proved it this year, but he hadn't been on tour. But if you had ever played with him, you'd be like, no, he's really good. The events he played last year – no, sorry. The events he played in 2021, because he did play a handful of events. I think you can't play, like, more than five or six or something like that. 
to be considered oh, yeah. at your rookie season. So I think he ended up playing three or four. I can't remember exactly, but like you can tell the dude had talent and wasn't like yeah. a brand new guy on tour. And we're not trying to downplay anything about oh. him. It's just, there is, you know, with some of these awards that we're giving out, there needs to be a little bit more requirements or, right. you know what I'm saying? Something along well, the, the line. Rules where, in place, he deserved rookie of the year. 100%. Yes. And yes. that's not downplay. Like he had an incredible season, but he almost like, well, a few events away from being considered player of the year. Yes. Like he wins a pro yes. tour event and then he wins the pro tour championships. He wins a couple more like Simon and all of a sudden he's in the, like, is he going to win both rookie of the year and player of the year? But <laughs> I don't know. I think it's learning. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a learning curve that we have to get over and, um, It'll come with time. I think that's, I mean, again, it's, it's a youth thing. It's like not having, and I think also having it to where it's, it's di more Juliana difficult. Juliana Cover won rookie of the year, didn't she? Yeah. That, I mean, well, they had to change, they changed the rule after she won. Cause they realized like that was, I don't think they saw that happening. World champion. Yeah. I don't, that that's where they're like, all right, we gotta, we gotta make it to where <laughs> that can't happen. But I, I have faith that that stuff will kind of get leveled out yeah. as as we go. Because um, that means that guess what? If I don't if I don't miss cash at seven straight tournaments yesterday, I might be the most improved player, bro. I might be getting an award at the end of this season. You could you could Let's very go, well dude. be most improved. Um, all right, let's talk real quick just about the actual All Stars. Again, this is where I think maybe sometimes the media is missing the mark a little bit. I I really haven't heard that much chatter about it. If you asked me who was on the All-Stars, I would have a hard time. If you asked me how they were selected, I would have a hard time telling you. Um, it's just not right now something that is massive. I, I don't know, massive in the media. I don't media. think that it is in any sport. Uh, it was in basketball at one point. It definitely has faded. I think MLB, the All-Star game, still a big thing. I saw tons of memes Making fun so of the NHL. It, you don't know how it's chosen and what the exact stipulations are and everything. No, no, no. Not so much the chosen thing. I think it's more just like the media behind it, right? And, I, and again, it's like they have no, the home run derby, which is dope, though. The home run derby is always sick. It's always sick. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying there hasn't. I haven't heard that much chatter. I haven't seen many of the people talking about it. I haven't heard much much chatter. I could not be looking in the right spots, but. With that said, these are the all-stars for the 2022. See, like, I don't even know. Are these the all-stars for the 2022 season? I don't even know. I would assume yeah. that would make sense. We're going to say yes. Okay. So you got Paul and Ricky. Those are the two captains. And then they'll be picking it their team, which will be either a, a team comprised of these players. You got Matty O, Isaac Robinson, Simon Lazat, Kevin Jones, Joel Freeman, Calvin Heimberg, Kyle Klein, Chris Dickerson, James Conrad, Gannon Burr. To me, that just seems like you just go from like world rankings top to bottom. Yeah. Is what is what I, I don't, you know, maybe there are some people that should be in there that aren't. None of those people, none of the people in the all-star event on that side, on the MPO side, jump out at me of like they don't belong there. So I think but that's now, a pretty big. Then group, again, imagine you take two rookies and put it in there. That's a cool. That's a cool little story. I like that. I like the. I like the rookies idea. I like. I like adding yeah. in like the two best rookies of the season and they having them be on one right? of each team, and then yeah. a rookie like taking out one of the veterans or something in a match yeah. play event or something. That'd be sick. 
All right, FPO side. Uh, let's see. Can I? Oh, I just got to slide it. Okay, FPO side. We've got. Uh, and see, this is where it's interesting. This is kind of we were talking about how, like, if not everyone shows up, it's kind of weird. Who would you think would be the two captains for FPO? It would have to be Paige and um, Tatar. Yeah, so. neither one are there. <laughs> Oh, I know. The, t- yeah. the two captains are Katrina and Owen Scoggins. So that's kind of like where you're talking about. Like people don't show up. It kind of loses a little bit of a luster. You got two of the top two, two of the best women in the world, two, two of the best female disc golfers of all time. And they're not at the all-star event. So yeah. it kind it kind of loses a little luster, but it looks like you got, uh, this photo is not done as well as the MPO. So it's a little bit harder to tell who's who, but I believe that's henna. Ella, Maria, um, Sarah Holcomb. I think that's. What the heck is that? You got Evelina, Valerie, uh, Jen, Missy Gannon. I'm trying to see who this is. Hold on. Get those glasses, man. Oh, I think that's Cat Merch. It does not look like her at all. Cat Merch and okay. um, Holland Hanley. All right, I'm pretty sure that's. I'm pretty sure that's everyone. So um, that's almost everybody. I mean, uh, minus. Yeah, minus the two players. Page. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's still obviously it's still good crew, um, but missing out those two. I mean, you're missing out on two of the two of the biggest names too as well. Like, so. I can understand Estonia coming here for the all-star. Yeah, that, like, that's it a stretch. Bigger. You know, maybe there needs to be a big payout or something or a bonus or they play all these little games and, and all that stuff. Um, Paige, Paige not being there, a, a little bizarre, but everybody's got a life, you know? And, well, uh, and I think, I, I think it's... I would I love think, to see that, the, the good old Katrina Page battle. You know? Yeah, that would that would obviously everyone loves to see that. But yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it's it's one of those where, uh, you know, and shout out to Owen being a captain. Uh, Owen's disgusting. Kidding? Owen's own own is if if they didn't have courses that were just like extremely long, own own would be in contention at almost every event. Yeah. Uh, she just kind of gets, she kind of just gets bullied a little bit at some of these longer courses. Yeah. Uh, but those, those are the all-stars. Uh, I, I haven't heard anything as far as what events are going on or how it's all going to play out or when the selection process is be on the lookout, I guess. Um, I'm going to try to tune in and kind of get, you know, see a little bit of what's going on, but yeah. we'll see what happens with that oh, and they right. put it on on uh super bowl sunday too i think yeah it's bad Ooh. i think it was last year actually <laughs> i think about it i mean if you do it early enough in the day where people are like i got nothing else let's just turn on some disc golf yeah, before the game party. yeah i, mean, I could time party trick you if you have live disc golf you can put that on man that's awesome i could see that happening all right, let's talk a little bit distance. The distance contest, we'll probably see it again at the All-Star event. But again, I don't know why this took forever for it to come out, but uh, the video and announcement, all that stuff of the distance contest that was going on at USDDC, that just recently came out. And I took a screenshot because this was something that you would think would be easy to find. 
it was not easy to find. I could not find anywhere. So I just took a screenshot during the video of all the different types of distance uh, of everyone's basically the qualifiers for open and the qualifiers for MPO or FPO um, to give a little bit of an idea. Who do you think, who do you think threw the fastest and open? I, uh, this is crazy because if I had sorry, to say fastest of people that did not qualify for the finals, sorry. Cause obviously David Wiggins threw the fastest, he the, did. the, the fat, cause this is actually really fascinating because speed is just a very, I mean, we know speed is just a very small piece of the puzzle for distance. It's not in the finals. Uh, you have Tomas Heitenen. Thomas Gilbert, Albert Tam, Adam Hammies, Anthony Barella, and David Wiggins. I'll tell you, you don't know this person. Kriston Kuska. I don't know if I'm saying that right. He threw 80 miles per hour. The only people threw, that threw faster than him was Albert Tam at 81, who made the finals. He threw 710 feet at 81. And then David Wiggins threw 684 and then 698 in the finals to win it. This guy would, threw 80 miles per hour, 498. Didn't even would, throw over 500 feet. I would think off the top of my head if I had to be like, okay, who is the fastest? I mean, it looks like when AB throws it that it's so fast. No one's faster than David. David, David, David with this 360, there's no one, there's no one close. I think AB might be a couple miles per hour. I think he might be able to get in the 80s. He's not touching 84. And I think I think David I think he's also David's been clocked higher than that. I think David I think David can get into the 86s. Uh no, I'm telling you right now I've played with Eagle, I've played with AB, I've played with all these guys. No disc comes out of the hand faster than Wiggins. I'm trying to think on, on uh Simon just was on a podcast or something, and uh, trying to think, was it AB or something? AB was like talking a little trash, being being like said something to Simon, and Simon goes, "Wait, does AB think he can throw farther than me now?" And it like kind of juiced him up a little bit. I kind of like that. See, like Simon, that the thing with Simon is Simon has so much spin as well, which is a huge, huge factor in in distance. You know, spin. Uh, the only thing with Simon is like I hope he doesn't go into an ego ba- ego battle with AB because you know let's let's keep the elbow let's keep the elbow healthy let's not yeah. uh, let's not do anything crazy. But uh, I think back route. in the day that guy was was posting some numbers on the speed gun. Yes, Simon Simon was ripping it. Was it the record? I think he might. Uh, no, I think this guy out in Europe. I think this guy, it might be this Kriston guy that threw 80. I think I saw some Instagram video. I'm not great with kilometers to hour um, instead of MPHs, but I believe someone in Europe, as of right now, threw the fastest. I don't know ever, but as of like this year, has thrown the fastest. We'll see if someone can fact check me on that, but I believe that's the case. just want to throw a quick shout out to my boy Ezra for throwing 567 feet at 53 miles per hour. Good performance. Good performance. Um, 
And then on the FPO side, you have uh, Henna throwing 68 miles per hour, almost getting wow. close to 70 miles per hour, which that's is bad. nuts. That's, that's very quick. Uh, she ended up not winning. She actually threw 462 in the finals. Ella Hansen ended up winning by throwing 550. If I remember correctly, there was a tail left to right, so the win was pretty favorable for these distance contests, hence why Albert's throwing 700 feet, um, David Wiggins throwing close to 700 feet. Those numbers would not be anywhere near that if the wind was not a favorable wind. Um, but when the wind is like that, if your angle is off at all, your throw is just going to be absolute trash. And, and that's why you see some of these people, you know, throwing in the high seventies or even, like I said, the guy that threw 80 miles per hour, but only threw 498. A lot of that has to do with just angle control. And, and guess, and guess who was leading going into the finals with uh, the, the farthest throw. It was Albert, right? It was 710. No. Oh, no. Yes. On the MPO side. No, no, no. Because they did to go into the, the day. Adam Hammis won. Oh, you're right. You're right. Adam, Adam chucked one. Six, yeah. like high 600s. Yeah. To get in there, he was the highest qualifier going into there, which is crazy because when you think about Adam, you think about the sidearm and the putt. You don't mm -hmm. think about the big distance, but that guy smushes it he again it's one of those where if there was like a height limit right if you could only throw because adam threw i mean 74 miles per hour is still fast mm -hmm. but there are tons of guys i mean ezra threw 78 jacob curtis threw 77 uh cole redallion redallion threw 75 um there there are a bunch of people that are throwing a little bit faster aaron gossage threw 72 74 is still fast, but when you, again, if you got that angle control and you hit it perfectly, the disc will fly. So I thought that was interesting looking at some of this, uh, some of these numbers and whatnot. It's always interesting to see how fast some people are throwing and how far the disc is going. It's not as is the correlation to like swing speed or, you know, arm speed or disc speed, however you want to say it to distance is not always one-to-one. -one. You yeah. got to have some other factors that go into it. Uh, did you tune into the ESPN broadcast? It was on ESPN two, but did you tune in at all? Uh, no, I didn't either, but I, <laughs> I was just seeing if you might have, um, I yeah, I mean, I, no, I did not. No, I mean, I, 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 didn't Fortnite, have, dude. I was, I was killing little nine-year-olds on there, dude. I didn't have any interest in watching it. I mean, I was there. I knew what happened already. Uh, to me, it, there, there's not, I don't have a big draw in going back and watching old disc golf stuff. The only time I ever will do that is if I'm about to play the tournament and I kind of want to see the course a little bit, kind of get helps me if get I a little course. If I was on the coverage, you. I'd be watching it. But oh, I, I could see that. Yeah, I, I wasn't I on see the that. coverage. And so then I, again, I, I also I have never, I've never watched my season of amazing race. So you can, I don't know. I'm not, I've seen myself a plenty of times. I, I, won. <laughs> I could see I'm watching that thing. 
Well, you would probably have some sort of like party, right? Yeah. Like you'd have people over yeah. to watch. You wouldn't just be sitting there in your bedroom watching it by yourself. I mean, you might be. You're a yeah. sicko. You might be just sitting there and be like, yeah, I'm so good at freaking disc golf. Look at me go. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think uh, yeah, no, I didn't watch it. Um, I heard good things. I heard it was great. Mm-hmm. Everybody that, that did watch it, you know. Uh, what was the commentary? Wh- who did the commentary on that? Did they redo it or did they just rebroadcast the live? Or do you have a, no idea? I have no idea. Yeah, that's that's a that's a question that you're gonna have to ask the people in the in the chat. Maybe so, maybe that someone that watched can give us a clue. Um, All Two World posted an article talking about the actual viewership numbers that Ooh, got posted. How was that? The viewership numbers initially. Uh, Initial thoughts. Give me your initial thoughts. 123,000 viewers, 0.04 rating. Pretty good. <laughs> those, oh, pretty good is your initial thought. See, to me, when I heard those numbers, I was like, that doesn't sound that great. I think okay, they're saying that it was a rebroadcast of the final episode of the tour doc. Interesting. Okay. Is to that me, good? What's that? Was that good? Is that good numbers? So when I first saw it, I was like, that sounds, that doesn't sound good at all. But I went into the article, read a little bit more. And these, these kind of jump out at you at at a, it makes it seem a little bit better than initially what I thought. So the broadcast was the 94th most watched broadcast on cable television on Sunday. So top 100, pretty good. This is the big one. It was the fourth most watched ESP two, ESPN2 broadcast bet- behind men's and women's college basketball. That's pretty good, I think. Mm-hmm. So out of all the stuff that ESPN2 was showing, which let's be real, you know, there's 24 hours in a day. Some of these shows are, you know, two hours or whatever. So there might only be 14 or 12 things. So there's not like we're beating out 50 stuff, 50 different shows. But still, top five, you know, fourth most watched. That's pretty good. Um, I will never understand ratings. A program's rating represents the percentage of television households that were tuned into the broadcast. So 1.0 rating, 1.0 rating represents 1% of TV households. So 0.04 is like... Yeah, I mean that's just not very good. But at the same time, like I don't, I don't, I don't really even know what how that even rates. I think what's the most important thing is how did it do compared to the other stuff on ESPN two? That because day. that's huge. Yeah. I think if it, if ESPN two sees like oh people are tuning into this, people are watching this, I think that's big. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we'll see what else. I mean, I, it does look like the Pro Tour is making. Uh, you know, some, some good connections with ESPN. Well, I, got, and I got a, I got a message saying that I, my Zuka commercial was on there. Ooh, it, a new one, a new one or an old one. Oh no. I don't know what that means, but Hey, you got, I Hey, you've been on there watching, man. You could have saw yourself. <laughs> you saw yourself in a commercial. Oh. That would have been cool. Um, all right. So we got that. Last thing I really want to talk about, unless you have some stuff, the last thing I want to talk about is, did you, I don't know why this got posted. It was one of the top stories on Reddit. 
Uh, if you haven't gone and checked out off uh, Reddit disc golf, Yo, it's kind of Reddit's kinda, a tough spot, man. It's it's a weird spot, but you you get stories here and there, and I like I like just checking okay. to see what what people are talking about because I, I would get, never have I saw get this. Get absolutely roasted on there, so I try to. Oh, stay I get roasted. What are you talking about? I get roasted more than anyone on there. Um, have you heard about this guy named Michael Sale? Yes. Okay. So he apparently holds the record for most hole, most disc golf holes played in 24 hours. I remember that, yeah. 2,900. Now, I don't know why this got posted. I don't know if it's like the anniversary, was it? No, this was done in September 12th. So I have no idea. This was done in 2014. No idea why this got posted, but me being new to the sport, never heard of this guy, never heard of this feat, so I thought it was kind of cool. So I wanted to bring up some stats. The first one I want to bring up is is how outrageously uh, how outrageously measured the course was because they said they he he did it he didn't even do it in 24 hours like he stopped before 24 hours, but he they said that he he crossed like 82 miles. And I was like, that seems like a lot. Like that's, that's a crazy amount. So I did the math between how long it took him and the distance he covered. And he would have had been moving at a 14 mile per hour. uh, (laughs) Sorry, 14 minutes per mile hour, 14 minutes per mile pace, 14 minutes per mile pace. For 2,900 holes. I don't know. You know, I'm running a lot. So I have it. I have a good sense of what 14. I have a good sense of what 14 minute paces. That is not a walk. You cannot walk comfortably 14. Like you would have to be like, oh my gosh. You would have to be like, I mean, you're power. Marathon runner. Yes. Or it's a very, very slow jog. I, I don't know. I, I think one of the numbers got skewed there because there's no way he was able to k- keep that pace for like 20 hours straight. There's just no way. He's a pretty um, hyper guy. I've played with him before. He's a pretty hyper guy. He's like one of those shrew characters that is just always going. I mean, he might so. be an ultra marathoner. <laughs> he didn't he might, do that, I promise. He, but no, like he was awesome. taking breaks to like drink and eat and like go to the bathroom. Like I, so I think that was... Um, I think that I think those some of the numbers got messed up there. But regardless, I want to give some stats. Uh, he almost did actually do twenty four hours. He started at seven forty three p.m. and and wait, what? Sunset, sunrise. Oh wait, that's not start. Oh wait, he started at. Gosh, I hate this. Twelve p.m. That's midnight. Yep. No. That's noon. Oh, noon. Noon 30. Noon. Okay, so he started at 12 p.m. and he finished at 11.57 p.m. the next day. So he was three minutes short. So, so he almost did 24 hours. Okay. So maybe, maybe, maybe I was completely wrong. I saw some numbers of where it didn't seem like he was running that fast. But anyways, okay. Let's talk about the scoring break. 84 miles in a 24-hour stretch. Ultra marathons do that though. Ultra marathon runners, they'll run like a hundred miles. I don't know how fast they run them. I don't know. 
I'm, I'm while playing disc golf, I, not just the, running. The while playing disc golf is like throwing me off a little bit. <laughs> That's what's throwing me off because it's like you have to throw and you have to putt. But he is playing like a little tiki, tiki. Uh, you know, the holes are like sixty feet, eighty feet. Imagine how, that diagram. How many aces do you think he had in the two thousand nine hundred holes? Nine. A hundred and fourteen. You got to remember, some of these holes are like 60 feet. So like they're jump putts. Okay. And you get like a thousand tries at it. <laughs> um, okay. How many, Paul, how many birdies do you think he had? 2,000. How many, how many did he have all together? 2,900 holes. 2,132. Very close. 2,374. His average score per hole was 2.18. He only had seven bogeys. It's pretty good. So I don't, he shot like, he shot like 2,400 and something under par. Guy shredded. This, man, that, that's crazy. And I'm never going to be a, attempting that record. Hunter and Trevor were talking about it. I don't believe him. I don't they think, I don't, I don't, I think they were interested because the course is uh, supposedly is not that far away from here. It's only like a two-hour drive. So I think they were talking about... Are they in that good of shape to be able to do that? I mean, you can be in great shape and still not be able to do that. Trevor Trevor injured himself, but prior to that, he was running a lot. Hunter is running a lot. Hunter's in better running shape than I am. Wow. Yeah, Hunter's in really good running shape. I think it would be more of a punishment, though. I think that's what they were kind of talking about, is like you have to go... Or you just have to go and play a thousand holes at this course, and you can't leave until you play a thousand holes. Um, so I don't know. Uh, did you have anything for? Did you have anything? Do I have anything? Want, did you have anything to talk about? Because I think while you stew on that and think if you do have anything, just so we can be transparent with everyone, initially the show. We had, you know, Twitter spaces and we were able to take calls and have people, you know, you guys watching live right now, you guys were able to call into the show. I think that is a very unique thing that we were doing. It is impossible to do that right now with how we are set up. However, when me and Yuli are on the same place, which is going to be a lot during tour, I believe we will be able to still do like the Twitter spaces. I think the way we'll probably have it set up just so that we don't necessarily have kind of this constant, I don't want to say interruption, but I think the way we might have it set up is maybe towards the end of the episode, we might do a a little like 10, 15 minute segment where we take people calling in, uh, especially if people have pet peeves. Cause to me, that's like my favorite thing to hear is people's talking about their pet peeves and disc golf. And it would be awesome to have more people call in and talk about that. But as of right now, we don't really have anything like that set up. So we're not doing that. So if you were trying to call in, we might be able to read some of the chat. I don't know how much uh, you guys let me know how much you like that. I don't know if that is something that people really want to listen to reading off like some questions in chat. 
I also don't know if that's something that, you know, if you're listening to us right now on your way to work or something, if you're like, oh, yeah, I really care to hear you guys talk about the people watching live, what they have to say right now. I don't know. But with that being said, that is something that we will try to do in future episodes when we're capable of doing it. Which I I enjoy that I enjoy when people call in and give us new topics and see what yes. the you know see what the people want want to talk about. Uh, I don't have anything. The only thing that came to mind was AB getting the W over at the Maricopa Open after what I considered. Who was there? Same, almost the same people that were at the at the Shelly Sharp. So pretty good field. Okay. Um, Marweed got second place. So he he. Is that back to back seconds for him? No, or did he win? He won. won. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was it. That was, I felt like he had, like I said, a pretty poor performance at the Shelly, and that might have been due to the new discs or whatever, you know, something different. But then coming in and winning a nice tournament, the, the, what is it? Not the weekend after, but two weeks away. So that, that was pretty good. Yeah. And then Marweed coming out strong. Marweed's good. So he, he's another guy that like certain courses just he doesn't have necessarily the length if he was able to generate and who knows maybe this offseason he got in the weight room or was you know doing some yeah. resistance strength tra- who knows but i think playing with him that that seems to be his achilles heel on some of the longer courses he just doesn't have the power to be able to compete on some of those longer courses, but the courses that are like sub 10,000 feet, the dude is good, man. I mean, he's got, he's got all the shots. His backhand has gotten a lot better. And then, you know, if he's able to get inside of 60 feet, it's, it's almost cash every time. So he, he's always a fun guy to play with. I, I, I like his playing style a lot. Doesn't say a word to you. No, I thought crazy story. I thought I don't I don't think I yeah I don't think I said it or maybe I did say it to him and it got super awkward. I could have sworn this guy Andrew Marweed played ultimate frisbee against me at Arizona State. He looked exactly like one of the Arizona State guys and this is like when I first got into disc golf so it's like my first year on tour. Uh, I think this was at Idlewild. It was like on hole 2 I'm playing with him. And I almost like, I don't think I did end up going up with to say him, but for the longest time, I was like, dude, this guy got really freaking good at disc golf. Like he, me and him used to battle. Like we battled a couple of times in, in ultimate, this guy's freaking sick at disc golf. Turns out not the same guy at all. Not no, at all, no. but he, he dude, looked like some basketball. I heard he coached a little bit and he played. He played okay. Let's talk about this. Let's talk. Okay. This brings up, this brings up something interesting. I hear this all the time. Yeah. I d- change battery. Uh Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Is that just, your, did your battery just die? Is that what happened? Yeah, I think so. Okay. But I can hear you. We'll keep going. Go ahead. I can, I can hear you. Um, okay, let's I, I want to talk about this because this is this is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. And I'll I'll <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll I'll tell this story quick so people can realize like I I'm not I, I just don't like it when people say they're good at something 
or say that someone else is good at something and they're not. Now, this has happened multiple times to me. The most famous time that I've probably told tens of dozens of times now is me and Kelsey, when we started initially dating, we were, you know, you start, you're not brainstorming, but you start talking about like what things you like and try to see what you have in common. And so I brought up tennis and I said, do you like playing tennis? And she said, yes. And I said, are you good? And she said, yes. Are you good? And I said, yes. I was like, we should go play tennis sometime. She's like, heck (laughs) we go. I dropped the ball on the baseline and hit it over. She like takes this huge swing at it and just like completely hits the ball, not even near the court. (laughs) And I just, I just freeze and I look at her and I go, wait, are you not good at tennis? And she, she goes, wait, are you actually good at tennis? And I was like, oh my gosh. And she's like, I thought you were just joking. I was like, no, my, both my parents growing up were teaching pros. I I grew up on the tennis court. And I was like, I told her, I was like, the worst thing ever is trying to play tennis with someone that's not good at tennis. It is literally not fun at all. And, uh, yeah, so I I just get very I don't know if the word's annoyed, but I I'm very skeptical and I've been very skeptical about disc golfers because I've seen it time and time again where someone will say like, "Oh yeah, this person's really good at this sport or this person's really good at this." And then I see them either shoot a basketball, throw a football, run, whatever and I'm like like, I think we have different (laughs) definitions of good I think I think and this is real I think there is a disc golf good I think there is a this guy is good at tennis for disc golf this guy is good at basketball for disc golf I think there's a serious difference between that and like actually being good at that sport yeah I don't know. I don't know if you feel the same way, but there, I've, just, I've, I've heard too many pros talk about other people about, oh my God, this guy's so good at this. And then I watch and I'm like, so, what's your de- so, then, so then tell us, what is your what? definition of good? Brody's definition of good. If I said, hey, I heard that Andrew Marweed's a good basketball player, where do you put him? D1? He has to be a D1 player. No, no, to be no, good no, at no, basketball. no, 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 no. He doesn't have to be a D1 player. But like I would say, at least like I could, if I watched him play, I would be like, yeah, he probably played varsity in high school. Yeah. Like if the dude, if the dude has a janky shot, if the guy can't dribble with his left hand, if he has no court awareness, if he doesn't know what a screen and roll, a pick and roll is, if he doesn't know, like, like, I'm, I'm not gonna say that guy's good at basketball. Yeah, I'm just not. So. I don't know. I've never played with them, but what I've heard is from And there's no shot at Andrew Marweed. He very well could be good at basketball. But can I'm, he run good or is that what you're saying he can't run good now too? No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying- <laughs> yeah, you said that. You said Marweed can't run at all. I did you not say Marweed can't run. <laughs> I, I, I was specifically talking about there is a huge difference between Are you good at basketball? I was, yes. Would I say I'm good at basketball now? No, I would say I'm, I'm good at shooting a basketball, but I would not trust my my knees in a basketball game at all. I'm not oh. I'm not I'm not jumping and dunking on people anymore. 
but yeah, like in college, I would I, I would dunk on people. That doesn't make you good just because you're tall, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it, it, just, it is just a, it's a little bit of a pet peeve for me because I think it does it does take away. Again, this is this is complete meaningless talk, but it does take away a little bit from the people that are actually good at that sport. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. But there's a big wide variety of what is good and what is not good. Yeah. Like it's a to me, big wide like, if you, if like you somebody sh- if, if I if went you, to a regular ahead, person. Yes. Yeah, if I went to a regular person. Yes. And he was like like you said, I could watch Is somebody. your camera coming back, Yuli? Or is it gone forever? Well, I thought we were almost done, so I didn't even try. That, that is true. We are almost done. Okay, let's finish this up. Let's wrap this up. Go. <laughs> Fin finish it up. What I was saying is Yes. If a regular guy yep. came up to me and was like, and like you said, I watched him run just a little bit, and then was like, <laughs> hey, are you any good at this stuff? I could tell that guy, like, yeah, I'm pretty good. Compared to you, like, I'm going to be pretty good at everything. And then that guy. Yeah, but you, you made a comparison, though. See, that's yes. the difference. You said, compared yes. to you, I'm going to be good. Yes. Compared to that guy, he's probably then looks at me, and he's probably like, Dang, that guy's pretty good. <laughs> like he's pretty good. <laughs> like Kelsey probably looked at you and was like, "Well, you're pretty good." But if somebody else hit the same ball back to her, she would probably be like, "Wait, you're good." You get what I mean? I, I, yeah, I, I, you're, I, I like you're you're what I call this is what I call them. I call them unicorn athletes. Like you're good at a lot of things. You're good. It's not necessarily you're not a professional. At but, everything, but if I were to take Brody and 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 take you and and play whatever sport, I could guarantee, even if you'd never played it, that you'd pick it up pretty fast and you'd be better than sure, most people sure. right away. But I wouldn't be telling someone. I. It's just like when you ask me, like, are you good at basketball? Like right now, no, I'm not. Like at this state, I'm not. And I feel like. If someone watched me shoot a couple times in basketball, in disc golf, they'd be like, "Yeah, Brody's really good at basketball," and it's like, "No, I'm good at shooting." Yeah, but I'm not good. I don't know. I I I think perspective matters a little bit, and uh, you know, like bowling. I could go bowling right now, and you. It would be interesting to see whether or not you would think I'm a good bowler, because in my opinion, I'm not good at bowling. I hear you, hey, but listen. but I could bowl a two hundred. No, I hear you. I, I so I, I could I, I could see how somebody could look at that and say like, oh no, you're good at bowling. But, there, but, but there, to to me, there's a massive difference. I, I I don't know. I guess I guess when someone says good, I'm not thinking like relative to just like the general public. There you me. go. See that's and that's what I feel like good is not great. Because there's a lot. Because of- I'm not enjoying playing tennis with someone that's better than the general public at tennis. Like that's still unenjoyable for me. Same with, <laughs> same with like ping pong. If someone's like, oh yeah, you gotta, you need to play this guy in ping pong. He's pretty good. Like if that just means he's better than you, <laughs> it, it could still not be fun to play someone in ping pong. You know, uh, b- people do want to know. I, I will say there is a lot of talk about you, you and Simon's skill. And pool. What about it? 
Billiards. I'm afraid to say if I'm I'm like people are wondering if you're good or not. <laughs> I'm afraid to say it. I'm afraid to say what I feel. No, I, say say honestly. Do you think you're good at pool? Not right now, no. I'm the, okay. I get the same perspective as you. No, not right now. Now, if I practice and I and I do my drills and I get on the pool table, I'm very good pool player. Very good. Like top I'm really good. <laughs> We'll See, because if you're about to say like top ten disc golfer, I that's where well, I'm gonna throw right I, back at you. That doesn't mean you're good. I'm just good. I'm just good. I'm just good. I could go to local tournament in Charlotte, okay. and yeah, I see, wouldn't like that's yeah. And I wouldn't compete. be surprised if I'm playing and I'm doing my drills. I wouldn't be surprised if I won a tournament. Yes. You know, like a local thing. Yes. Like I would that, if I were now if I were to play against disc golfers, yeah. Like Simon's the only person I've ever played with who in disc golf who could beat me if I practice. Mm. You know, Simon's a good, but he, that dude plays all day, every day. I've been to his house. That's what he does. He just goes over, he shoots the pool. Now he has a kid, so hopefully he's not shooting as much, but <laughs> he's good. He's a good pool play. Now, us compared to like recently, I went to uh, a place and I played one of the top guys in, in South Carolina. That's sick. And he, this dude, I played him 40 games, different games. Because he was so good, I wanted to play with him. You know, it was the first guy that I had played with in a long time who I could play with. Mm -hmm. He beat me every which way, any game that we played. It got down to this. I played him to where he broke. We're, we have an eight ball rack, okay? And yep. it was like, this is what we're going to do. You just make the eight ball. Wait, explain, explain eight ball rack. Does that mean you're playing with all the balls, all the stripes all and the all balls, the, yep, the all, solids? Everything. Yeah, all the okay. So okay. Basically, he's like, we'll play this game. You're the eight ball. You make it in any pocket. You win. Okay. And I'll be all the other balls. Now, me being a good pool player, which I know I am, he beat me that way. And then, he's, and then I'm like, okay, I'm on to you. No, I don't want to play that. I'm going to be all the balls. Because then, you know, then I can kind of nifty my way through there, not leave him any shots. No, he beat me that way. So there's, yeah, there's just no two way. things of good like me and then good like that. Well, well, see, I think there's also a decent. Like, to me, I think there are a lot of people that are decent at stuff. I think there's yeah. a huge difference between decent and good. If you're decent at something, that means you can play it. Like you're not going to be able to not play it, but if, you're not good. If you're I just, do drills, you're decent. And this is how good I am. If I do drills, and I'm, uh, let's say this would probably take me like two months. If I did drills for two months and I got tournament ready, okay, I could play. Let's say because the way tournaments usually work is it's a race to five or a race to three, mm -hmm. and we'll play eight ball. If I did that, I could run two to three racks in a row probably. Okay. That's how good I am, right? And that That's still isn't good. good enough to probably win because some of those guys can just not not miss, play safeties. Like once you get to a certain level with pool, it's like it's not even the same game because you're playing safeties and you're doing all this other stuff. Like it's it's not what people it's not glamorous like people think you just break it and run it. No. Like you can if you get a good break, then it's easy to run 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 the rack. But a lot of times we're playing safeties on each other so we can get ball in hand and then move our way around the thing and does pool, does pool get worse the better you get at it? Like, is there a level where you get so good at pool? Like, the way you're talking right now does not sound fun. 
Well, we cannot. It, sometimes it isn't fun. No, like is that one of the few sports of where, like, as you get better, the 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 more the least fun it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Like when I when I was fourteen, I was one of the better players at a as a fourteen year old. Okay, Mm -hmm. and I practice 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 and it got to the point where i never wanted to play pool again because it's that boring like yes it is it is like one of the most grueling it's not it's a you know if you have a nine foot table that's your space for five hours of practice Mm -hmm. and it's so like uh tedious the drills are so tedious you know what i mean you're like placing them in certain spots making them drawing it to here topping it to there and then you're just doing this over and over. It, there's no – if you want to get good, just like anything, it's a very tedious sport or game. It, here's a good question, going back to disc golf. Putting, because I talked about this a little bit too on Instagram. I think I posted something on Instagram about this because it just kind of came to me. Like putting in disc golf is very similar – to shooting a basketball right the motion and everything like that and your goal feels very similar and to get better at putting you got to do it more and to get better at shooting a basketball you got to do it more however why do you think because i could shoot around a basketball for 30 or 45 minutes and have an absolute blast yeah putting though is it is it simply the fact that when you shoot a basketball and you make it, the ball can like come back to you somewhat, or like you can kind of walk up and just grab it? Like what what why do you think shooting a basketball, like doing a shoot around is more enjoyable than putting practice in disc golf? Because it feels like those two those two should be s- more similar than they are. That's a good point. I never thought about that, but I love shooting basketball. I do too. I love that. Yeah, I, I love shoot it them forever. Same thing uh, with like throwing a football. I could I could sit in my backyard with a buddy and throw a football for thirty or forty minutes. And I don't think I could do that. Okay. Baseball people, a lot of people love. I mean, I guess I guess it'd be similar to like throwing a frisbee. People like throwing a frisbee back and forth to each other. That yeah, is actually I, more no, enjoyable. Oh no, no, if I have somebody to. If I have somebody to, to to shoot with or if I have somebody to play catch with, yeah, you can play catch for hours. That's fine. Yeah. But Oh yeah, I'm not throwing a football like at trees in my backyard and going saying. and pick it up. No, like, no, 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 no. No, I'm no. I'm talking I about by yourself. If I have somebody in the gym, I'll I'll play for hours. If I have a football to throw, yeah, that's a little different. But I'm saying the tedious time by yourself of practice. Where there's nobody there, basketball is one of the funnest things. Might be, I don't know. This, per- what it is. this person brings up a good point. They're saying putting practice. I'm assuming in disc golf is like practicing free throws only in basketball. I could see that because, like, after ten minutes of shooting free throws in basketball, it's like, bro, let me just shoot a jumper from the elbow. Like, I I need to let me <laughs> shoot something else. I could see how that can kind of get tedious if you're just grinding 30 minutes uh, on free throws. 
But yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I was just thinking in my head, like, what if you like created something of where if you make a putt, it like goes through the basket and then like goes into like a little rolly ramp and like rolls all the way back to you. So well, you can just a, I don't know. When I was a kid, you dude, just stand there. I go ask <laughs> go ask like LeBron James if his favorite thing in the world is just to go and start shooting around in his in his on a basketball hoop. Guarantee that's not his funnest thing to do. You know what I mean? And and for me, like going out and putting, it's not my funnest thing to do. But when I first started, dude, I loved it. I could putt for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, and I loved it. So there are, yeah, because I guess there are just some things in life that the more you do it, the joy kind of gets sucked out of it a little bit. Because there definitely are certain things where, I mean, sitting down with a big, huge thing of buttered popcorn and watching a movie. Like, I'm, I'm never getting tired of that. Unless you did it for 360 days a year. I don't know, man. I love movies. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I was having to watch the same movie or, like, a handful of movies over and over. But then, he, like, Kelsey watches Twilight probably once a week at this point. I can't watch it's at least something on. over and over again. It's, it's at least just on. Uh, one of the Twilight Saga movies is just on <laughs> once a week. And it's just like, I mean, yeah, it was a good movie, but I mean, geez. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm like, if I have, if I have like a 12 hour flight or something, I kind of look forward to it a little bit because I'm like, bro, I'm going to sit down and watch so many movies. This is going to be awesome. Like, I love That's that. Cool. That's cool. Well, what about this? <clears throat> Cause I, I got like a, the personality to where when I find a new sport and it doesn't happen anymore cause I'm a billion. But when I was a kid, I would play something until I felt like I was good. And I was like, yeah. addicted to that thing you know that's the type of person i am if like like i got sick of pool because i got so addicted to it that that's all i did i woke up i breathed pool that's what i did when i started golfing that's what i did i woke up i breathed golf i was there every single day i hit buckets of balls i putted for hours it was just my thing disc golf same thing when i was playing a lot of basketball same thing I would play it all day. It's what I looked forward to. It was the funnest thing that I ever did. Any sport that I did was like, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to get as good as I can at this thing. But then it lost its like luster after a certain amount of time. It's not because I stopped getting good. It just got boring to me, you know? That's what affected me in a different way is because I never got sick of I still love going out and playing courses and doing the thing. I love going out and I'm I'm not as like three hour putting sessions, you know. Now I still I can't walk by a basket in my yard without going to my truck without going, oh, I'm grabbing three of these bad boys and see what, what we got here. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I kind of struggled with the same thing as a kid. I don't know really what that equates to. There there's definitely times where you know, I wonder how my life would be different 
if my mom was like, no, you're not going to just switch to another sport. Like you're going to stay with golf or you're going to stay with tennis and you're going to, um, grind it out if you will, and not switch to basketball and try football and all that stuff. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how, how different that would be if I would be happier or if, you know, maybe I would be in a sport down the road that I get burned out in, but I was the same way. And I, I'm, I'm very much the same way now in some of those aspects too, of where I will get very committed, I guess would be the word, like very locked in on something. And I'd want, I, I kind of want, Oh, he's back. I would want, I kind of want to like perfect it. And then once, once I get it and honestly too, like, is a little bit of a personal, a little personal, you know, thing, but I think it relates to a lot of people as well. I think that a lot of people struggle with this in relationships too, of where it's very exciting and interesting trying to get the attention of a girl. And then as soon as you get the attention of the girl, you're like, all right, mission accomplished on to the next. And Obviously, that leaves you with just a lot of broken and and not great uh, relationships. So that's definitely something that I don't know if everyone struggles with that or if that is something that people like me and yourself that you were just kind of describing how we bounced around from sport to sport or different thing as kids. Like I don't know if that was – I don't know what that really relates to, but that is definitely something where I will – I will get fixated on something and then I will just like do everything I can to get really freaking good at that. But later in my life, I have stuck to things way longer. Right. So like I stuck with ultimate Frisbee for as long until my knees gave out. And I still think the same thing with disc golf of where it's like, I'm not, I don't have an interest, even if I do reach the top and I win a world championship or I win a couple majors, I don't see myself then being like, all right, what's next? I, I, I really thoroughly enjoy playing disc golf like I did with ultimate. So I don't see myself ever changing that, but like, it'll be interesting to see like right now with my fitness, like I'm really, really involved with what I'm eating, lifting, running, it'll be interesting to see, like, is this something that I can maintain? I don't know. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see like in a couple, you know, a year, two, three, is this something that, you know, am I trying to run a marathon? Am I trying to go out and do races and stuff? Or is it something where all of a sudden just one day I'm just like, eh, I don't feel like running today. And then the next day it's like, I don't feel like running. And then all of a sudden, you know, you haven't ran in a month, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I'll tell you what, when I hurt my leg and then I came back, running was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it was my favorite thing because you've had two knee surgeries as well, right? Three. Three. So I, so with my yeah. ACL tear, as soon as they told me, like, you can walk, I was walking. But, the, but as soon as they told me I could run or start jogging, I never thought in my life that I would love running. And I don't love it anymore. Yeah. Um, have you, did you ever have, uh, did you ever have like problems actually like doing a task, not because you physically couldn't do it, but because like, I've never in sports, especially 
Like I'm never like thinking what I'm, what I need to do. I, it's just an instinctual. I just do it. You know, Frisbee goes up, I'm diving hand out yep. catch. I'm not thinking ever. It wasn't until after my second knee, no third knee surgery after my third knee surgery, going through rehab and, and getting in front of this 24 inch box. And I'm literally just standing in front of this box and, and I've, done, I've, I've done all the rehab to where my knee, everything like that is physical. I'm, I'm capable of jumping up onto this box Yeah. and my trainer standing there right there being like, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's, you know, give me, give me a couple of these. And I'm standing there like this. And again, like jumping was one of those things that I was pretty good at. I had a pretty high vertical when I was playing ultimate yeah. I was pretty decent at jumping something I never like practiced really just something I was naturally gifted in, I guess. And I'm standing in front of this box. That's literally not even above my knees and I'm, I'm frozen. I I'm literally just like, it was the first time ever of where my mind, I was trying to tell myself like to actually jump, like go jump. And like my body just wasn't, <laughs> And so I'm just standing in front of this box, straight up frozen. I couldn't, I couldn't leave the ground. And it was just absolutely one of the most demoralizing things ever. And, um, now, I mean, it's kind of like how you were talking about how, like you, you had that love of running. Like now I'm doing box jumps up onto like, you know, not anything crazy, but like 36 inches and stuff like that. And it's just the most exhilarating feeling ever of being able to like, just stand in front of something and just jump yeah. on top of it. A, a simple task like that. But in the moment, it just seemed like, you know, trying to move an iceberg out of the way. It was impossible. No, I don't think Sad. I ever, I had that. Um, but in fear for sure of like, I don't think I can do, I'm not going to try that. <laughs> oh, like, no, not I'm even yeah. I'm not even yeah. going to, no, I don't think I want to try that type thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I blew, I blew my uh, ACL. So I, I injured, I injured my meniscus in the 2012 season, like mid-season. Had surgery on it. Did a full recovery, all off-season. Worked really freaking hard to get back into shape. Was feeling really freaking good. First game, second play. Uh, or second time I was on the field. First time I was on the field, I kind of went deep and kind of just came down on it funky, right? Like went up, caught the disc, came down on it like a little straight-legged and kind of funky. And I was like, oh, that was kind of weird. Should have at that moment been like, all right, I'm just going to sit this out, guys. Like yeah. something kind of feels weird. I just kind of want to get tested. But you know, I'm young and stupid and I want to play. So I go out the very next point or two points after that on offense. I make one cut, boom, pop, gone, ACL, other leg. And I was just like, bro, like I did everything to get my left leg strong. And unfortunately, that happens a lot and with knee injuries is like you put so much. Yeah, you put so much wear and tear on the other knee that it's more likely that's, that you're going to mess it up. That's what sucks, man, is because, <clears throat> dude, 
dude, I can't do nothing without hurting myself. Like, that's what I'm finding. Like, if I do it, basketball, forget about it. That's a death trap for me. Mm-mm. Like, pick up basketball is my favorite. I think it might be my favorite thing to do to get into shape. Pick up basketball is awesome. Full court pick up basketball. You run so much. You're guarding. You're down low. You're up high. Like, that is so fun. I can't even think about doing it. Like, if I go out there, I'm like, oh, I'm for sure going to get hurt. It's one of it's it's literally something I wouldn't really wish on my like worst enemy of where no. you have someone that has such a competitive mindset, but you put this thought and fear because like I'm now like at the point of where my knees are so bad. I, I've you know, I'm I'm essentially what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to strengthen everything around them to protect them. But I'm at a point right now of where if if something were to happen, you know, now we're talking about potential like reconstruction of the knee down the road. Like we're talking about some serious issues of where, uh, you know, when my kid's five or six and wants to go throw in the backyard, that might be a real big struggle for me. So that fear of like hurting yourself again is is like one of the worst things possible that I literally wouldn't wish on anyone because I mean, here's the thing, Brody. Every sucks. time I play something, I get hurt. Every time, it's like a curse. Every time I played uh, volleyball a couple years ago, we were in Santa Cruz for the tournament, right? And everybody goes out to the beach. We're playing volleyball. Dive for a ball. Break my rib. Like crack two ribs. You mm-hmm. know. Just volleyball. I'm like, okay, can't play volleyball anymore. Nice. Go out, shred my ankle, hurt my arm doing something else. Like, it's just like this thing where it's like, I'm pretty much. It sucks. I'm a, what was his name? Pete Rose? Not Pete Rose. No, Garrett you're Rose. bubble boy. You need to be bubble boy. You need to be Garrett put in a bubble. Rose, dude, I made a glass, bro. <laughs> you need to walk around one of those huge bubbles so you don't get injured. <laughs> or just. But that's what you're saying. Like, I can't play a sport without going no. hard. I can't There's play a sport without going hard. All these people are playing pickleball and stuff. Like, I'm not doing that. I love pickleball. I, I, I just can't risk it, man. I can't risk it's it. A, like, It's a tiny court. Do you really think it's like that? Yes, because oh, wait, if no, a, listen to this. Because if I'm, if I'm moving one direction, like, I can't just, like, that. that's the other issue is I, I just can't play stuff. And and be okay with being bad at it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like... I hear you. It's just not worth... Wes, at this point, it's just not worth it. It's not worth going out we there. Out, we all went out when we were in when Jacksonville. I never played before. Yeah. And Wes, our, our underground captain, goes out there, plays, and I think he... I think, like, his second game, he tore his Achilles. <laughs> Like he tore his Achilles, dude. Dunzo. Surgery. Capping. Oh my gosh. Dunzo. Yeah. So you're right. It is like when I go out though, I go double brace. I'm like that old guy, double brace, double. You gotta double. do what you gotta do if you're gonna risk it for the biscuit. I do you, can you watch injuries? Can you see them like if they're happening on TV? Can you watch the replay no. of them? No. Yeah, I can't either. I can watch myself. So like I have two, two of my, two out of the three knee, uh, knee surgeries that happened 
were all during games. So like both of them were filmed. I can watch those. No problem. If it's someone else, can't do it. I can't I can't watch anyone else get injured. And Kelsey, like, gosh, she'll have like some TikToks sometimes that come up of just like people getting wrecked. Like kind of those like fail videos. Yeah. She'll be like, oh my God, watch this. And I'm like, I, I can't. I'm like, you cannot show me that. Like, I do not want to see no. this guy's bone coming out of his leg. I, I, just, I can't I, I I can't do it. Golf, Kelsey, golf Kelsey's is not a, squeamish at all like that, but I am. I can't do it. Golf is a sport where you can get a little competitiveness out, though, and no injury, yes. really. Well, nothing bad. You can just yeah. throw your back out, like which I yeah. I, I hadn't played golf uh, in forever, and Kelsey had this brand deal with this golf company that she had to do, so I went out with her. And, again, like I'm an idiot. Like I haven't, swung, I haven't swung a golf club in so long – and I'm out here like, you know, swing speed up, up, up where it used to be. And I'm just like bombing the ball. And at the time, everything feels fine. And then like, you know, you get home and everything starts to, your adrenaline kind of falls away. You, you, your body starts cooling down and then you get up and you're just like, oh, like what my whole do? back is just lights up like a Christmas tree. And you're like, what? You're an idiot. What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you doing that? But I can't. But I. But at what point do you have to be like, I'm not gonna live my life. Scared. We gotta have a kid. We have a, no. We have to have a kid. That's the answer. Yeah. You have to have yeah. a kid, and we have to live vicariously through them. That's just that's, that's what that's where we're at right. Now. That's the point. We're old yeah. men. We're, we're having we're old, a kid. We're old men right oh. now. <laughs> our 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 prime is in the past, and now we just have to live vicariously. Like I'm. I will. I'm gonna be a very supportive father and whatever my kid does, but th- I will be lying to you if if none of my kids come out to be like competitive and like want to get good at something. I will be. Uh, I will be not broken, but I will be. I will be sad. I guess will be the. That's why I want girls, man. I want girls. Wait, why? Why is that why you want a girl? What? The, what is that? Mean? It, this is why. I feel like if I have boys, I will be hard, but a girl, this is what I really feel like. I wouldn't have to pressure that no matter what they want. If they love sports, great. If they don't, great. But my competitiveness, like with my dad and my relationship and my brother, you know, we were so competitive Okay. That like I'm afraid that maybe that will wash down into there, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, you're not going to, like, I mean, obviously you're you're extremely involved in disc golf, and I'm sure yeah. that's not going to change anytime no. soon. You're not going to have any sort of like hope or desire of like kind of like oh, I wish maybe one of my girls likes to play disc golf. Yeah, I would, of course. Yeah, that's that's all I'm saying. Like I miss I I I would I would be bummed if one one of my kids let's say I have three kids. I would be a little bummed if my first kid was like, I want to be a writer. And they're just like in their room writing all the time. And then my other kid's like, <laughs> I want to be an artist. And they're just like finger painting and and doing <laughs> Picasso's. And then the other kid's like, I want to play the trumpet. And like that's 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 my kid. Those are my kids. 
Like, I would just be bummed because I'd be like, does anyone want to watch the football game with dad today? Like, no, dad, I just learned a new song. Listen to it. Wah, wah. Like, I'd, be, <laughs> I'd be bummed. I'd be a little bummed is all I'm saying. I still would love all of them. I would still love all of them. But I would just be a little bummed if, if none, not a single one of my kids had any Here's the thing. Here's the in thing. sports. Here's the thing, Brody. This is straight from the heart, buddy. Yeah. My kids are going to wreck your kids at everything. Ooh. <laughs> like, Ooh. they're going to absolutely just wreck. See, this is interesting because I, I do believe – I do believe in like generational talent and I feel like I was gifted with a lot of really good talent, but I just didn't have the genetics of, I was, I, I was just missing a couple pieces to be really freaking good at something. Yeah. Right. I was decent at, again, going back to decent, I was decent at a lot of things, but I wasn't ever great at anything. Cause I feel like I was just missing some pieces, right? Yeah. My kid might not be missing those pieces. It, like it, it skips generations. Like you, you rarely ever see a dad being incredibly gifted and the kid being incredibly gifted. It's a rare thing to see, you know, father, son, there are, there are some rare exceptions, but for the Especially most, if you have a lot of kids. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good chance. Like you just have 15 kids and hope, hope one of them turns out to be a freaking superstar. I guess you could do it that way. Just play the lottery a little bit. Dude, but for I, the most I, part, I, I've always said this. Listen to this. What do you think about this? Yeah. Bro? Yeah. Yeah. You put your mind in Paul Uliberry's body. Oh, what boy. kind of athlete would you be? What sport are you playing? It doesn't matter. Like this <laughs> vessel that I have to do these things that I'm doing, I'm making the best out of it, bro. <laughs> I'm telling you. Hey, what was your what was your forty time in your vert? Oh, what, what were your measurements? Dude, I'm slow. I'm the slowest no vert. Oh, I'm awful. Then I'm why literally. why are you taking my mind and putting it into your body? What the I'm heck saying, are we doing? Because this is what I'm saying. Okay. You wouldn't be able to do the things I friend. No oh, <laughs> boy. Going straight to the top. No straight, injuries even. Straight to the top. I'm listening yeah. to my body, dude. I tweak it a little bit. No. Bring you the are, I will say you are better. We had a chiropractor. And my first uh wait, let me let me actually you can you can you can still see my um you can see my thing, right? You can see my stream. Or you can see my video. Yeah. Okay. I want to show you this video real quick. Everyone can watch at home. Let me just tell you, this is what happened. Okay. After this play, I limped off the field. Okay. After what you see, I limped off the field. The chiropractor took me over to the, the training table, sat me down, uh, told me to bend my knee, like kind of like where you're about to do a sit up. Yeah. And then he proceeded to grab my knee around like, uh, the lower part of my knee, uh, like around my calf and then jammed it into my chest like three times. What? And it was like, you're good to go. And then I played the rest of the game. Let me, let me. And then obviously the next morning I woke up. Oh, I think I played the game the next day. It was a double header. So I played the next game and then I woke up the following day after that game and I couldn't walk. I couldn't even like straight my leg. 
Um, this is this is the video that the chiropractor at the time just jammed my knee into my chest and then just told me I was good to play the rest. Oh. I think there's a, here you go. Here's the slow mo. Okay. No, 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 don't show me that. That's terrible. You got to make that catch, dude. <laughs> I, I, I probably was actually pissed more about me not catching it. Wow. Um, it you springboarded off of that thing. Yeah. Like a pogo stick. Yeah. Uh, so like looking day? back on that now and knowing the stuff that I know, like, I don't know what was the chiropractor doing. Also, I want to say like a week after surgery, I went into a physical therapy place, just like a place I was just, cause I was living at living in Indianapolis at the time. And I just went to a physical therapy therapy down the street and they were like having me like do the stairmaster like a week after knee surgery. Which now knowing again all the stuff I know is it's like not it, medicine is a crazy thing, man. It is a like I don't know yeah. who to believe. I don't know who to believe. And normally this is what this is how I've kind of done it over the years is once I started working out with like these professional athletes at the gym I was working out with, I was like, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. They probably have people that are very smart because yeah. they realize like if they can't get these people to go out and perform, they're going to get fired. So I was like, I'm just going to start going to these doctors because at the end of the day, these guys are taking care of million dollar athletes. I feel like that's probably better than just maybe going to a doctor. That's like dealing with people that, you know, have normal nine to five jobs and, did something to their knee and now they're like, yeah, let me cut you open and let me jam that into your let me jam this into your chest. And yeah, so I don't know. All right. That's, that's enough memory lane for me. Um, all right. Well, that is, that is tour life episode one of who knows how many scrackleys, dude, we're going to, we're going to, all I could say is it's going to go up from here, right? Like the crackle, Hopefully we'll be gone next week. Yuli will hopefully have his camera on the entire time. So I'm not just talking to a blank square. Um, it's only going to go up from here. That's well, this all was a two hour, two hour guy. No, this was, yeah, this, this was a good podcast. I think, I think people enjoyed it. Let us know if you guys enjoyed it again, make sure you subscribe to the foundation podcast. That's what this is on or go over onto Spotify and Apple. It's called tour life. Go check it out over there. Subscribe over there. You can leave a rating. All those things help. Uh, but I, I'm very excited about this podcast because, like I said, like I think, you know, I think your opinions, you know, me coming into disc golf too, like you were one of the first people I talked to a lot about stuff. So uh, I value your opinions on a lot of issues very importantly. Obviously, we didn't get really deep into anything like disc golf wise, but throughout the season, stuff is going to come up. 
we're going to, we're going to see stuff happen. And, you know, I think it'll be really interesting. Your point of view from being more of a veteran and someone that's been on tour for so long, my kind of naive point of view on a lot of things. And then also I think you being a part of, you know, Jomez and having a little bit more, uh, of a, of an insider information of what's going on post-production, all that stuff. I think it'll, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be awesome. Um, I think at one point we'll probably get big germ on here and that will probably be a four hour podcast. So be ready for, for that one. He, he might have to be our first guest. Cause if we're going to, if we're going to have a guest come on, we, we got to make sure we do it the right way. I feel like a big germ get, did you know that I posted his YouTube video? You were the one that posted it back in the day. I've literally posted everyone on Joe Mez's YouTube video commentary except for you i've never posted i posted nate sexton's ace and i posted big germ when he did that crazy around the world yeah i've never posted anything of you what does that tell you about yourself shoot i need to go viral somehow you gotta, you gotta go viral <laughs> gotta go viral dude i ain't done anything maybe maybe you do like the perfect pool game where you like break you do that break the nine ball break and dude, all the balls you- go into the pockets Dude, you know what the coolest shot I ever did do? In pool? No, in general. Oh, disc golf. Coolest shot I ever did. Uh, Have I seen it? Probably not. Okay. Well, tell me about it. Well, it was when I went through football field, goal to goal into the Oh, double. Into the basketball. You got to send me that video. I got to share it. I got to share it. Send me the video. That's and here's what's crazy is I dreamt about doing this. So then the next week I went and bought a basketball hoop, wheeled it out to this freaking park and my sixth throw made it. Dang. I know that's difficult too, because the first trick shot video I did with Avery in like 2000 and 12 or something i don't even know how 2014 it was a really long time ago he was just trying to throw it through both uprights like it wasn't trying to go into a basket or a hoop or anything like that he was trying to literally just throw it through to both uprights and i i saw how difficult that was so so no basket a basket would have been easier i feel like too it was a basketball hoop i'll send it to you but anyways Okay. Yeah. Send it to me. I'm not going to probably, I'm not going to probably post it on my YouTube. Hey, I don't that, want you to post it at all. Yeah. I want, I want something organically that I'm going to do maybe in the future. You know, Wait, you don't want me, you don't want me to share this clip on Twitter. No, what I'm saying is, no, what I'm saying is mm. I'm going to be doing something. I do a lot of cool things, man. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, okay. All <laughs> right. It's I'm, like, I'm sitting it, back waiting to see him. <laughs> Hopefully, what I'm saying is, all of a sudden, you're going to wake up and be like, dang, Yules, pretty cool, and then just an organic share. I got you. Where this one kind of feels like you're yeah, kind of like, tell you, I yeah, deep into like, the archives. Yeah, yeah the I see. That yeah. This one kind of feels like I'm doing you a favor. Yeah, like no, you're that's what like, I'm saying. Hey, man, no, I'm not asking. I'm saying don't do it. Can you help me go Please. viral? Please don't share this so I go viral again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, nope. good podcast, man. I yeah, look forward good to podcast. it. A lot of fun. Uh, can't wait for next week. Uh, I believe I'll let you know 
time and date, but I believe everyone listening Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern next week, right here on YouTube. And then it'll be up on all your podcasts after that. Um, no crackles. That, no crackles. Cameras no, on. Cameras on. Lights on. Action. We'll be giving you all the takes all the time coming straight from our membranes. That's all we got. Yuli, other than that, we got to figure out, we got to figure out an outro too. We have no outro. So it's just going to be like, it's just gonna be awkward for a little bit, but you guys bear with me. Um, and, uh, this was the birth of crackle Yuli. So let, let's never forget it. No, we're not great. Great show. Later, bro. All right, and we ended.